not included. Constructs. You build. Constructs. Control. Constructs. Constructs from Fisher Price. Constructs! We are back again, and we got some stuff going Welcome on. Welcome back. Welcome back. Sleeping over at Dion's house. We're back in my house, sleeping over this week. Uh, welcome to another exciting and thrilling episode of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm Dion Baya. And I'm Jay Blake. And uh, we're here on a time constraint this week for a couple of reasons. One, that we rent about 20 minutes, and I didn't hit the record button. <laughs> <laughs> One, we've already done the show. Yeah, uh, which isn't in the first. We've done that before uh, with The Gate. I think that was one of them. And with then, The Gate. And, and, and I feel like Lucio Fulci's Zombie, we did like three whole episodes <laughs> before, we, before we actually had one. Yep. And then with this one, we uh, also coming over, we, we had to go and play the board game and everything, which was hard because it was only Blake and I. Yeah. But it was because... Um, Blake thought a little bit of you know was insider baseball check, <laughs> the, uh, the auto spell or whatever the, auto correct on the, on the, on the, phone. the phones. A little bit of confusion. I unfortunately came over here with mounds of research for the movie Clute, <laughs> starring Donald Sutherland, <laughs> which is not what we're doing. I thought it was an odd choice, yeah, for us to do on the show. But I love like, Donald hey, what, Sutherland. What the hell, you know? Dion likes Clute. You know, it wouldn't have been your first Donald Sutherland movie pick to be <laughs> yeah, on the show. I mean, we've been talking about doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers yeah. since, since the inception since, of this since, movie. And there's tons of other movies. Kelly's Heroes. There's, he's been in a lot of good movies. Backdraft. Backdraft. Uh, you know, Backdraft. You know. <laughs> Which came up recently because the guy that, that Highlander wrote the guy Highlander. Who, yeah, who did, and who was a fireman at the time ended up writing Backdraft and maybe even directing or whatever. But, I don't think he directed that one. But, but yeah, he, he wrote some, it. Yeah. Uh, so... In fact, we're doing Clue. So we had to stop down. We had to we watch the movie, of course. Blake had to go do some research. Then we had to play a game, but uh, it was hard because it was only the two of us. I know. We really should have done it at the... Instead of having Mike, even though we had Mike on Mike Verona for Enter the Dragon, because it was Enter the Dragon, we should, have, we should have had him come back for Clue. That way, we could have had we, we could have been playing. <laughs> we could have been playing Clue yeah. while we talked about the. Movie. It could have been one of those because there's a lot of people out there who have those websites or those uh, YouTube uh, stations or that they they'll, they'll they play the games you know live and all. We could have been playing it while we're talking about Clue, yeah. and that made me start thinking of aside from like Battleship. Is there any other movies you can think of at the moment that are off of board games? I know the Clue is now owned by Hasbro, and Hasbro's talking out that they want to. We'll talk about they want to they they greenlit a remake for this, but they want to put into production like uh, Monopoly. They want to do a Risk. They want to do movies? a Candyland. Yeah, movies. Hungry, hungry Hippo. Uh, <laughs> why not? Right there you go. Sorry, Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> <laughs> and Jack Black. <laughs> Because it's a direct sequel to Jumanji. Yeah, exactly. Which was another... That just came out. Yeah, Isn't that a game of some sort? Is that a book? That's a book, I think. Which probably got a game. Which is about a game. Which is about a game. But I'm thinking of what other what other board games... Well... <laughs> oh, well, you know, Ouija, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ouija, 
you know, that's because I remember when I watched that. Now there's like a bunch of them because I guess Ouija. I don't know. There's like a bunch that aren't even. They're not all related. It's like it's like, the like Conjuring with the Annabelles. There's <laughs> but like, there was that first one that came out. Yeah, a couple years ago. And I remember at the end of credits, it's like based on the popular board game by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> With the Hasbro font, the yeah, logo. like the fucking logo. It wasn't even because, and it was just like a very odd because it was like a pretty intense horror movie. It's a pretty scary horror movie. And then at the end, it's like by Hasbro. Go, go to the, your local toy store and find it now. <laughs> That's what it, 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 it mystifies me. We've talked about on the cast before. We brought up that like, say you take your country like England has completely outlawed the Ouija board, and they don't even allow. They don't even sell it, and that's why if you see in the Conjuring two. The kids are playing with a Ouija board that they've made themselves. So I find it really weird that, like, a country's outlawed it for whatever, superstition or, or just they don't want to deal with any of that kind of thing. But then when you come to America or the, or the rest of the world, you can go to, like, a toy store and you can go buy this in the toy yeah, of the game aisle. Kids. Yeah, you Talk want to, to the dead. You want to talk to the dead? <laughs> you want to talk to your dead grandfather? You want to talk to somebody who you, it sounds like your dead grandfather, but it's just some demon coming out to, to <laughs> Captain get out? Captain Howdy? Yeah, you want to get out there? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, well, the, the, the cartoon. Cartoon of but then there was a movie with Jeremy Irons, I think. A oh yeah, years right. Ago. You're right. I didn't see that. That that came uh, Yeah, you know, and not really a board game, but it's a it's an interesting subgenre of like these movies based on things like games and toys. Yeah, not something like GI Joe, which was a car, which was a toy, which was a commercial made for was like a, a cartoon made for. So there was like a literary. <laughs> Yeah, television show Frame of reference. to base uh, also Hasbro uh, a movie on, but like to Garbage Pail Kids that was a movie. <laughs> so yeah, you have these which was like just just trading cards that were that were slagging off Cabbage Patch Kids. So you have these movies that are like like a board game. <laughs> They're like let's see like a movie like Clue. I don't know how you can. How do you pitch that? Let's make yeah. a movie out of it. And let's then you, make. Well, you, you know, know, at least Candyland. That... How do you make a? Let's or even like Wreck-It Ralph was a fun Pixar movie. Was it Pixar? Or was it was a Disney movie? It was one it, of those. Yeah, but it, that was fun. Movies, where though. it it kind of you know makes fun of itself. The, the it's it's kind of slanting it a little bit. Where it's it's joking about all the you know the characters in video game games and then them a- interacting in the world of a of not a pinball machine that's i'm dating myself of an arcade <laughs> game or the internet you yeah, know yeah. but it's funny to think that you know like how do you make a monopoly i mean i guess you know anything could be made from anything but it's funny well when you, yeah well that's the it's a weird concept i mean at least with the, with clue there are like specific characters yeah and you can have and then you know, it has it's not like monopoly where it's like I'll be the hat. I'll be the shoe. <laughs> I'll be the fun symbol. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, like, but at least this is like there's established characters to then springboard off of and it, to try know, to create a narrative. Since we're already here, I guess I can bring it up. So Hasbro, the Parker Brothers originally put this out before we get into the history of the board game. Parker Brothers in America owned it. And then so in the early 90s, I don't know if Parker Brothers went under, but Hasbro bought up Parker Brothers. So Hasbro now owns all those And we talked games. a lot about Hasbro in our... G.I. Joe cast. In our... Rise of Printer. Rise of Rise. Rise. We talked a lot about the history of Hasbro. Yeah, and we also talk about... Uh, we also, if you go to our, our regular S- Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers website, we have a lot of extras because Blake and I went to the HasCon in September... Tw- 
2017, which was, I think, the first ever. It might have been the first one. Hasbro yeah. convention in Rhode Island, Providence, where Hasbro was based. We saw some very nice Clue board games. We sets. did, yeah. See, they had all these wooden editions, which I almost bought. They had like they they were called like the like classic bookcase. They look like a book, or they or they're like they're really they look like real expensive chess. Yeah, it's very nice set. Oh, really nice. And I don't know if this has ever come up, but a little uh, tidbit. Dion and his uh, lovely wife collect board games. We do, but you do too, don't you? I have a couple. Oh, not, okay. not like you do. I have a couple. I have like, uh, I have the original Say by the Bell board game. There you, go. <laughs> you have Mall Madness, the mall with it all? <laughs> I don't have that one. You have, have Raiders of the Lost Ark. I have the G.I. Joe one, but it's at my mom's. I don't have it Escape here. from New York? <laughs> I've been looking for that one. That one I need to get. <laughs> no, we only... Well, the reason I, I have brought a Starsky up... and Hutch board game. That's awesome. <laughs> you should have brought that over tonight. Uh, the reason I brought up the... the If you go to that our website and look at the posting for the G.I. Joe episode, Arise, Sprint, or Arise, we have a lot of pictures we took at Hascon. And this uh, I Joe. command. <laughs> this I command. <laughs> Uh, and we took we, we we have a lot of pictures and we're like what are we going to do with all these pictures so we have a lot up okay, of the GI Joe put area them <laughs> yeah put them on the, put them on as extras so um, but yeah we collect board games you know and, and I don't know where that came about uh, I had some board games I walked into a toy store some years ago and they had like all the classic games for like under ten dollars so you had like Operation Candyland Shoots and Ladders and I was like holy crap so I bought a crap load of them and I just had them and then you know. Uh, it just got to the evolution where we liked playing board games and we started like finding board games for our favorite shows. We like Columbo. There's a Columbo board game. There's a Kojak board game. There's a... Uh, Starsky and Hutch board game. There's a Starsky and Hutch board there, Bionic the, Woman has bi- a board yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, the, there, there's, uh, there's a board game for the uh, Dino De Laurentiis King Kong movie from the 70s where the, 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 board, the board is the Twin Towers and you have to prevent... King Kong from getting to the top by attacking him with helicopters and and so there's just it's amazing to think the uh, this is a, a subject I'm very ignorant in and that could have been another angle if we thought about it in time to bring someone who's like a board game or a game aficionado in to tell us talk to us about An it. official gamer yeah to talk about or or but a like a board game a role playing board game yeah, gamer I don't, I don't count video games <laughs> they ain't, they ain't playing those video. aren't gamers to yeah. me uh, to talk about because there must be like three or four different templates of a board game that you can apply to That's an a good idea point. Yeah. you know what i mean you have clue is the you're stuck in a mansion and uh you know someone's did it you have to figure it out or you have to get from a to b in monopoly or you have to monopolies you have to win the have the most win with the most money or yada, yada, yada. you know so it's like so that this all shoots and ladders you got to get from a to b first <clears> you know uh, risk you gotta you know so it's like it's interesting the the, the, the behind it all clue they're talking about remaking and for the life of me, I don't understand. They're saying now they want to remake it. They want to take it out of the mansion, which is like, well, isn't that the reason why they're having it? And they want to make it. <laughs> they want to make it a franchise. So they're already talking about sequels before they've even started. Yeah, they gonna be like movies for Colonel Musk. Yeah, yeah. They, well, I guess <laughs> they have Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is attached. Ryan, Ronald Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that sounds very racist. Ronald Reynolds. He he's attached, uh, and the Tazro has their own like picture company and they want to make it international that they're going to different countries and, all. and it's like it's just make it call it where in the world's Carmen San Diego <laughs> it's <laughs> called where in the world's Carmen San Diego you know already did it uh, yeah it's, it's so it's so I don't understand Get Rockefeller to do the themes <laughs> yeah so it's like why when you you take it you divorce it so much from the original idea why even still call it clue like you know it, the clue to me it's well here's I mean here's the thing about uh 
Ryan Reynolds. He will <laughs> well, work for food. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of Ryan Reynolds from way back in the uh, two girl, two guys a girl in Pizza Place days. <laughs> You're gonna say two girls in one cup, and uh, and a little movie that I don't think anybody's seen besides me called Buying the Cow. He's very funny in that movie, but. Um, what the fuck was I going to say? Uh, here's, here's a little the, thing about... Here's the thing about doing a... a, like a, a that differs from doing... Take your time, Blake. Take your time. Let me, get, let me just get my out my thoughts. <laughs> okay, so we talk about movies based on books. Yes. And then say, like... Like we another, did last week. <laughs> like another Total Recall comes out. Yeah. <laughs> which is a great sequel. <laughs> another Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get yourself back to Mars yet again. He comes, he comes down. Listen, Quaid, you got to get back. Quaid. Well, I feel like this is a complete side note. We don't really have time for this, but I do have to drop a little crazy knowledge for so anybody that might remember this. Real quick, before I, I get a little sidetracked, going right back, I promise. In the in the 90s. Yeah, uh, I was there. with the, You had Renaissance Pictures. Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert's company. Simple plan. And this is when they did, they were doing the Sunday, they had the Sunday afternoon action pack. Oh, you're And that's that's where Hercules was invented, uh, was started with that. And then there was Vanishing Sun, which was, to this day, I still uh, love and adore, because I was very into martial arts back then, going back to Kung Fu February. But I digress. (laughs) (laughs) I think... uh, uh, there was one. There was a show that was kind of a ripoff of Quantum Leap. Yeah, with an English girl. You said. Yeah, that we've mentioned, and then there was another Midnight Run. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I remember you. <laughs> you brought this up again. Yeah, starring uh, uh, what's his name? Not Charles Grodin. McDonald. Who's the guy that plays Shooter McGavin? In uh, yeah, I think he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's in Greece too. Yeah, and so another Midnight Run. So just throwing that out there. Check it out. You're going to do another Total Recall? <laughs> do another Total Recall. It's like Robocop, the TV series? <laughs> no. But, but what I was getting at was, uh, okay, so if you have, you know, like I always... Clear off the table. I always say, let me clear everything. <laughs> you have... Okay, so Total Recall comes out, the new, the later one. Yeah, so, PG-13 for some reason. Colin Farrell one. Isn't yes. he in that movie? Yes. And everybody's like, oh, why would you remake Total Recall? But Total Remo Call is based on... Oh, we can remember for your wholesale by Philip K. Dick. Yeah. So, Short story. And sometimes you get a, a quote-unquote remake of a movie, like, say, John Carpenter's The Thing is considered a remake of Howard Hawks' produced... Thing from another world. Thing from another world. But that's also... They're both based on who goes there by... Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Joseph Campbell, maybe? I think Joseph Campbell, but that might not be Joseph Campbell. Something Campbell. Or like Dread, supposed to being a remake of Judge Dread, but it's yeah. maybe close to the comic My point book. is, like sometimes a, what's, what we're what we're thinking as a remake of a movie is really just another a retelling of another retelling of the original. Like a couple weeks ago, we did Vincent Price's Last Man on Earth, and then they had Omega Man, and yeah, had, so like Omega Man Legends. and I Am Legend are not remakes of Last Man on Earth, but they're like different adaptations of I Am Legend, the book by Matheson. Yes. So I get you going a long way around. Okay, stay with me. I'm I'm here. So when you when you say that they're going to make another Clue movie, yeah, and from what you're describing, seems like it seems batshit crazy. But it, it seems like remaking another Clue movie might be a perfect 
remake because the first one is not based on any other on any no, real it's story. Based it's based on a board game. It's based on a board game. Yeah. So you could do another Clue movie that has nothing to do with this movie. With this movie. But it. But then if you don't but base it off... Bo- but it's based on a, just another story based on this, on this board game. Because when you look at this movie, like... How do you even come up with a like somebody like you said somebody somehow let's make a clue movie yeah. then they have to get like John Bland he can yeah to, <laughs> to, to like write develop, it to like the, develop a and movie. Jonathan Lynn the, the director who's also the screenwriter yeah they had to come up with this huge and it's like how do you, do come you have up? to create a story and create new characters to help propel that story um, so I'm just saying like another clue movie we don't necessarily have to be angry about it because it doesn't necessarily have to be remaking this movie but what they're doing it but then they are taking this movie the 85 clue is faithful enough to the source material of a board game and the board game is about uh, players in a big house somebody dies you have to figure out who died where they died and by what they were done in by yeah like what weapon yeah so if you're gonna that's the hallmark of this game um and you think if you're gonna then remove all that and reboot it, I guess you can call it a reboot, and you can now, or another iteration, and then you have it not, ha- it's taking yeah. it out of the house. <laughs> it's in a shopping mall. Yeah, or, or around the world, yeah, so yeah. it's taking place all over, it's, you know, Ryan Reynolds or whoever running around the world with Jack Black, let's say Jack Black. Right? <laughs> yeah, Dwayne Rock. And, 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 Rock and Dwayne Rock, and he's flying a helicopter. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you have like Mrs. Peacock or Mr. Body or Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet. You know, it's I, I just uh, why why at that point do you call it? I'm sure there's other examples of movies where it's just like they're using the name, but then it has nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah. You know, so why just call it something else? So, but I mean, you know, you can't judge anything on something that hasn't been done yet. I think a lot of people feel that the success of this movie was the 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 slapstick comedy, the farce, and the the the, the people who were in it and the performances that make yeah, yeah. this work, as opposed to. Because even the board game, I don't think the board game necessarily is a... It's not a comedy. It's just a fun... You know, the original Cluedo, it was a fun game about murder. It's a... Yeah, it's a, you want to murder somebody? We're going to find out who did it. <laughs> we love reading about... So who done it. Yeah, we love reading about stories of people, okay. you know, and... Uh, With all that. It's... it's you, you, The original board game is called Cluedo, and it's in England. It was, it was uh, conceived back in 1949. By this guy and his wife, and, and it was originally going to be called Murder, and he and he, he gets uh, a patent for it. Well, I have, yeah, I hear that he applies for the patent in 44. You see, Blake, Blake's been talking to the same people I have. <laughs> well, as I did all you, I just read your notes <laughs> when I came home with the clue notes. Oh, motherfucker. But Get, anyway. Gets the patent in 47. Yeah, beca- and then, but then he doesn't come out to 49 because, the, you know, UK is still having issues with post-World War. But there's a really famous uh, company over there. Uh, called I think it's Wall. Uh, Waddington. Yeah, Waddington. That's the English version of our Parker Brothers. They put all the games out. They license it as Cluedo, and Cluedo that that name really just means it, it's a play on Clue and Ludo, and Ludo in Latin means I play. So you put that together it means I play Clue. Cluedo. But America's like we don't need it. That's too. That's, that's too complicated. Stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna do it our way. <laughs> Use Brits do it Joe's way, and we call it Clue over here, and and it comes out over here probably in the fifties, and it's a staple for what half a century. Yeah, and you know? I'm sure now you know how Monopoly has all those themes. I'm sure there's there's, there's be tons clue. of them. Yeah, and then it so even gets like, to the part Simpsons Clue. Yeah, well, it 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 gets to the point where like in the 
it hadn't been changed for like 50 years. And like in the 80s or maybe in the 2000s, they reboot it and they start changing. They have different editions come out. And you're right. There's a there's a Simpsons one. There's a freaking, you know. Uh, I also feel like there's something else changed too. Well, they then they all, all, the original, like you have the original idea here is they had original characters. You had like. There were 10 characters, Mr. Brown, Mr. Gold, Mr. Gray, Mr. Mrs. Silver, which Mr. were eliminated. White, Mr. Yellow, Mr. Brown, <laughs> And Mr. you're fucking Charlie Chan. <laughs> I got Madonna's big dick coming on my left hand. I got Charlie nice Eddie. Yeah. All these. But why do I got it? Because you're a... Yeah, I'm not going to say that. All right. Nobody's Mr. Black. This guy's moving back down. You're Mr. Pink. Mr. Purple's on some other job. Yeah, it's like they're two fucking guys, Mr. Purple. So, you know, they narrowed it down. Nurse White and Colonel Yellow became Mrs. White and Colonel Mustard. They eliminated, they had a gun room and a cellar they eliminated. They had weapons like a bomb, a syringe, a shillelagh, which is a walking stick, a fireplace poker. They don't get used in the original versions, but then what you're saying, all these different versions that have come out, they end up re, re, yeah. rejiggering and reusing those, recycling that stuff. But you have all these additions so that you had, a, there was a, an addition of this that came out uh, some years ago called the Clue... Um, Discover the Secrets were in 2008 where it completely revamped it. And it wasn't kind of the same game. And so people complained. Yeah, there was new box art. They've kind of redid the rules. They had new new people, new weapons. So people complained. And they don't make that version anymore. But what I had to do was my wife and I had to go like on eBay and buy an older version of the the board game to have the original because it changed so much. Yeah, yeah. But for 50 years, it hadn't changed. I mean, we even own a uh, an Alfred Hitchcock game from 1960 called Who Done It, and it's the same thing. And it's a joke where it's like all the characters are like, you know, like they're like a Sam Spade ripoff, a Charlie Chan ripoff, and Mrs. Marple's ripoff, and it's Who Did It, you know. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's I thought before doing research, like, oh, this was pre-Clue, but then you realize Alfred Hitchcock just ripped off a clue to <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, whoever. Or whoever, yeah. <laughs> whoever licensed that. Yeah, without Alfred Hitchcock on it, and it's, and it's called Who Done It, you know? But, um, so, yeah, Cluedo's, or Clue has been a huge thing here, and, and I had never played, I loved Clue growing up, but I had never played it. And it wasn't until, like, 2005 or six I actually sat down one night with a couple of friends, and we played Clue, and that was, like, the first yeah, time. I, I feel never, like I've only ever played it once in my entire because life. Because you need a bunch of people, so yeah. it's, like, and it's hard. I don't hard. think we had it. I think you know, I played it at somebody else's house. I mean, I had, like, a Monopoly growing up. I had a Candyland growing up. I had, like, Connect Four, but I, but... I always like the quicker games. So, like, when you play a Monopoly, Monopoly can go on for days. You know what I mean? You know, Monopoly is just <laughs> yeah, involved, yeah. and then it's, you know, it, it can get to a point where it's like, okay, you, you get know. Those, like, well, those war games. I feel like my brother and my, my dad got I've my always brother, wanted to play those. Like, Axes and Allies or something, I think yeah. it was called. And they and it was, like, set up on the dining room table. That's awesome. And they play that shit for weeks. Yeah, you know, it's like Risk. <laughs> I've always wanted to play Risk, and I've never had a, a, a Risk game. I now own a, a retro risk game but i still you still got to have the people you can't just play you know it's kind of it's like playing battleship it's like eh, you know you need more people to have it be a little more exciting so i've never played clue but i've always had a fondness for this movie i remember when it came out uh right when i probably moved into my my house in hamden we got the movie channel and this was on the movie channel all the time yeah. well i think that's where this movie is without a doubt like beloved by people of our generation 
And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it got the it got played the hell out of yeah when we were kids. Like uh, like I've said on many a show, like I didn't have cable growing up, but my dad had cable, and so I remember seeing it a lot. Like when I'm at my dad's house and it and it being on, yeah. so I I watched it quite a few times. As a you, kid, you'd pick up at some point to be on, and you'd watch a little, and then you know. Yeah, so like it's definitely a movie that like I do remember a lot of, and it's also a movie that has a fantastic cast. And even as a kid, you would recognize like Everybody. Christopher Lloyd, and you know had the fucking Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael McKean. <laughs> I knew him from Daryl. He's the father in the Daryl movie, so it's like him. And yeah, Tim Curry's in it, and all uh, these. And so, and uh, you know, has Madeline Kahn Madeline from, Khan from Bride of Frankenstein. All the yeah, all the Mel Brooks movies. Uh, so Young Frankenstein. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I do remember it finally. Now, full disclosure. Uh, as 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 much as I know that this film is loved by so many, and especially like, I remember like when we were in college, like Marissa Wu loved this movie. Well, women love this movie too, which is another. Uh, but I never cared for it. Yeah, I didn't really like it as a kid. I don't really care for it now. I wouldn't say like I dislike it, yeah. but like I certainly don't have any angry feelings towards Clue. But I've always been just like kind of completely indifferent like, to huh. it. Yeah, and and then this viewing didn't help that. Yeah, and yeah. this viewing almost was like even worse because yeah. I watch it now. Oh, well, you I, came over thinking you're gonna have play <laughs> watching Clue. Well, well, there was that. You got some, you know, you think you're going to see like this weird thing about like this hooker and this guy. <laughs> there was that I, I was in a different mindset. <laughs> we were putting on this slapstick farce from the 80s. But it was also like, I don't know, for me, and, you know, this is just a personal opinion and, and it doesn't, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, not taking away from anybody else's uh, fond memories and and love for this movie. But for me, it was like, Man, what a wasted cast for yeah. this movie. Like, what a great fucking cast. Like, the fact that, like, Madeline Kahn only has, like, one funny bit of of nonsense to do in this movie yeah. is a crime yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, so, it's a weird movie for us to do for me on this show uh, because it's just not a movie that I've ever had any kind of, like, personal connection to. But I recognize that so many people especially of the age that's our main demographic for this show yeah probably do so it's a weird one for me to to discuss i mean i guess i do under i do uh, i do objectively understand why do you like, think like the like the nostalgia and the and that it is fun why do you think it then adheres itself to women loving it because it's weird because like like my wife loves this movie I remember when I when we graduated from you said Marissa Wu who we went to film school with she loved it when I went to when after college I worked at a video store I had a female working there who would put it on all the time knew the word line for line and you know and it's so in uh, there's people that have messaged me that I know women on uh, Facebook that that know that we do the show a friend of mine from Austin who was like when are you gonna do Clue and you know and so it's always been one of these movies in the back of my head like oh we should do it some point because people have. Hold it in such a high regard. I know but, people but particularly do. women. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is about it that women see. If it, if it, if that isn't, maybe women are just more vocal about their love yeah. for it. Than I mean, men. I wonder if it has something to do with the. I mean, it wouldn't be the slapstickness of it, or the, you know, because it, 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 to, it to me it comes off very much like a, thirties farce. It's a very you know like originally. Yeah, I mean, when I was thinking about it, um. You know, like, there's very specific things that 
uh, I that I think there's very specific things about it that definitely are the things that stand in my way of connecting with it that I don't know if they're really worth going into. But in, in my head, I was like, you know, I initially thought of like the Cary Grant screwball comedies, but it's not even that. It's much more of like a Marx Brothers movie. Than, Especially when you get into the back half, then like a screwball comedy yeah. of of you know of like a Car- Catherine Hepburn of the you know, quick Carrie back Grant. and forth talking, I the mean, thin man kind of stuff. Yeah, like b- bringing up babies very goofy. Yeah, but it's also as much as that's beloved. That's like my least favorite of those kinds of Cary Grant movies. Yeah. Um, so maybe I mean, but I love the you Marx know, Brothers. So it gets into like almost the Abbott and Costello kind of thing. Comedy is a know. very the, the comedy is a tough thing because it we all don't find the same things funny. Like yeah, some people like you're like, oh, I get along with him because we have a similar sense of humor. Uh, that's the thing about comedies. Like we all don't have a similar, you know, like some people do, and 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 so you do you, you connect with those kinds of people. But there are certain comedies like some people just do not will not find, like, Billy Madison funny. Yeah. You know, like, there's just certain kinds of comedy that... Yeah, I've never that, found... That's a, you're there. Yeah, I never found Adam Sandler particularly. I love his... Remember when he came out when we were in high school and did those comedy albums? Yeah, yeah. Those were funny, and I played the crap out. I haven't listened to them since, but when he started doing, like, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, I never really connected with them. Yeah. Know? And he to me, he was always just, like, a one-trick pony doing, like, that... Oh, chick-a-boo! Maybe whatever! <laughs> you know, it's like... You know... So comedy is a very yeah. odd thing and i think it it can be very polarizing in a way that other genres aren't yeah um especially the big you know like the caddyshack or blues brothers like the yeah. one and the animal people, and when somebody connects to it yeah it's like love forever it's like undying love forever yeah you know there's a certain devotion that people have to the yeah comics. and and it's because clue wouldn't be my first uh example of a movie like that but f- i've always loved clue i've always found it very funny uh, I've loved the ins- the uh, ensemble cast and and like the, the the back and forth through the whole thing, but I don't know. See, prior to this, I was trying to think of like, is it a, f- a favorite of mine of a comedy? And I was like, I don't know. It, it's it's fun, um, but there's other things I do like a lot, uh, and it's it's mind blowing that there are so many people that that love this that yeah. that really just connect with it. You know, can and sit back. I mean, it's one of these movies you could watch the crap out of. Oh, it's certainly. You know, you know I remember when <laughs> I remember when I was doing, I was doing an episode of F this movie with Patrick Bromley, and he said he was. We were talking about some movie, and I was like, "Well, that's it's." And maybe he was like, "I don't remember what movie it was," but I was like, "It's totally watchable." Yeah, and he thought that was like a very funny description because he's like, "You're right, it is, but it's like not a good. It's like, you know, in a way, it's it's an endorsement, but it's not a great endorsement. Yeah, <laughs> but in a way, it is. Like, um, there are some movies that, you know, and I'm not saying specifically Clue, but uh, there are some movies that are just totally watchable. Yeah, uh, and it, and it's not really a judgment of quality. Or how good it is, or how bad it is, but it's something where like you can just watch it. Yeah, and if it's on, 
it's per it's totally harmless and you'll leave it on and you'll watch it but it's not necessarily a movie that you would put into like your top favorite movies yeah uh for me because this isn't one of my favorite movies it is a movie that i recognize is totally watchable yeah. there's like nothing offensive about it it's funny in parts uh for me not in in its entirety the cast is great uh so i, I mean i think there's that about it and that's probably why it was so played on television so much uh and not in terms of, i don't think schedulers or whatever programmers necessarily worry about that kind of thing or think about that kind of thing when they decide we're going to play clue like eight times a day yeah <laughs> for, for, for 10 years yeah. <laughs> you know but i think because it's so watchable if it's on you just leave it on and then when it's on so much you just end up watching it. it comes like, like an entire noise. generation yeah. of kids ended up watching this movie a thousand times, you know, over their childhood. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so much going on in this movie. Like, character. It's one of these movies, the more you watch it, the more you pick up that there's really... Everybody has so much business in the movie of, of, of characterization or this or that or line yeah. and that, you know. And to me, like, it being like a silly farce over-the-top comedy, it's like a, there's a movie that I only discovered some years ago called Noises Off with John Ritter and um, uh, Nic Nic Nicole Sheridan, maybe? She, Nicolette. She, Nicolette Sheridan. Yeah. And what's his face from uh, 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 Perfect Strangers? Not Balky, but the other guy. Oh, Mark Lynn Baker. Yeah, he's in it. And uh, Christopher keep, Reeves in it. Michael Caine's in it, you know. <laughs> just keep throwing. Oh, I, I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah you know, I know what the movie you're talking and it, about. And that's the movie where it's it's a play where yeah, it's, it's like the first act of the movie. It's like them trying to do the play or or block the play and the second act is them performing it in the crazy zane and it's like that movie's so crazy like clue to me is almost like you could if, if they did it well you can go see it and it'd be a real funny stage play yeah you yeah. know what i mean and this is one of these movies where uh i don't know why but there was a resurgence like in the 70s 80s of these these like big manor house mystery <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean yeah. it's and it's and you think about like well is that true but like you have like murder by death you have Haunted Honeymoon. You have uh, a, a lot, some a lot of the like the House of Long Shadows is a Vincent Price movie. There's a lot of either comedies or horror movies, and for some reason they I came back into vogue. I wonder if that has to do with the same kind of thing that we talk about, like which we've brought up a few times, but specifically in Greece and you know, like the remake of The Blob or Night of the Creeps, like whether. People remember there was that a nostalgia for that, that kind of a, the, the, a movie. The people that were making movies at that time had for those kinds of movies. I, I mean, certainly you take Haunted Honeymoon, which, um, you know, I love, but I mean, that's that's another silly, silly kind of movie. And that takes place in the 40s, and it's about, what is it, Gene Wilder and, and um, what's her name, who passed away, his wife, in real life, uh, from Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah. Had, yeah. You, had you not put me on the spot, I probably <laughs> would have been able to read you know, it off. Uh, uh, That'll come to us. She she died of cancer. That's that's about them being radio star actors, and they're going on a honeymoon. Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner, and they go to this haunted mansion, and they have to. And Dom DeLuise is there playing a woman, and there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it's just it's zany, <laughs> exactly. But it's like that. One, that is an easily a movie where I'm sure people can watch. It, but like this is stupid. Yeah, but yeah. then there's other people who like love it, and I I watched it growing up. Right when I was probably before this movie, even though it's a year later. Uh, and I loved that at the time, and you know, and there were so many things that that brought me to it because I liked big haunted house things, and yeah, I liked yeah. radio play. So it's like, oh, look, you know, you don't really see them dramatizing radio actors anymore. And I used to love, which is I, th I think a movie that's hit or miss, uh, Murder by Death. 
Like mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that movie, but that's a movie where people either love it or hate it. Neil Simon, I think, did that. Yeah. You know, where it's a the joke where that's all the they're all play on like Charlie Chan or Poirot or you know, had, Sam Spade all going to a house to solve some a mystery. I and mean, it's a comedy. We've talked about it on the podcast that I, I've taught. I used to teach a class on horror movies. Yes. Uh, but I also taught a class on comedy one yes. semester, and there was uh, a student yeah, who wanted was... to write a paper about murder by death. Murder by death. It's a it's a zany movie. It's a and I think it of course was a play, and they did it into a movie, and it's 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 pretty funny. I mean, I mean, I know I I know some of it word for word the lines, uh, like the, the the Charlie Chan colloquialisms that he says in the movie. Yeah, like uh, fat fat woman like big house like man married a fat woman hard to get around television set a conversation like television set on honeymoon not necessary but that's another movie where people love it or hate it so you know i don't know why but in the time in these movies and then this was an example and it it you know you, you start it from a board game where this is a movie where you're like okay i don't know who who had the idea first but it is brought to john landis and the director jonathan lynn who starts off as an actor uh english actor he, and then he's a writer as well and he he uh, has written pretty significant stuff. There's a there's a show called the Please, Mr. Prime Minister. I think it's called or something, Mr. Prime Minister, which he wrote himself. Jonathan Lynn. He was writing. There's a series from the 70s that's big in England called On the Buses. He did a lot of that. And then after acting and writing, he starts directing. This is his first directorial debut. Blue, debut clue. But then he goes and does uh, Nuns on the Run, which I loved as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And then he does My Cousin Vinny, which is like huge over here. And then he does some other weird. The greedy. Yeah. <laughs> he does some really weird. Um, what's the What's the movie to the um, the Jeff Daniels? Uh, it's the courtroom movie where it's Jeff Daniels and what's his face Kramer from Seinfeld. You know that movie? No. He did. He directed that. He did. Uh, it's just weird. Like, oh, that's him. You know. So it's like he's done some. So I don't know how. Who came up with the? Was it yeah. Parker Brothers that came? And up I don't with the remember idea? if it's the first time we did this show that we mentioned it, but it's produced by Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's true. Did we, I don't know if we've already mentioned that. <laughs> I don't or, know if we mentioned it. If we didn't mention it already. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, we recorded half of this first, <laughs> and it wasn't recording. But Deborah Hill, who is uh, connected to John Carpenter, so that's not her first. T- the first time on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, of the movies we've done on as the podcast. As a producer. As a producer, but as a, as a returning Saturday Night Movie Sleepover alum, she's did Halloween 2 we did on the show, Halloween 3 we did on the show, Escape from New York we've done on the show, and she also was the producer of Adventures in Babysitting, which we did last year yeah. on the show. And also, um, returning from, let's see, specifically on the show, um, Bill Henderson, who plays the African-American, who plays the cop in this, he has already been on the show because he is Hulk Hogan's trainer in... Um, no Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. So he's in that. And I remember when we watched No Holds Barred, I was like, hey, it's the guy from Clue. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody else has showed up. Have we done a Tim Curry movie yet? Have we done a Leslie Ann Warren movie yet? Um, Colleen Camp, who I've talked a lot about. I love Colleen Camp, but... Um, I've always had... This is confession time. Aline Brennan has been so hot to me. <laughs> I've always had the biggest crush on Leslie Ann Warren. Oh, who hasn't? My entire life. Okay, see, now, if we get in a little weeds of this movie, originally, um, Leslie, Ann Moore, Leslie Ann Warren in this movie plays Mrs. Scarlet, and it was originally cast to Carrie Fisher, but Carrie Fisher has to drop out soon before because she goes into rehab for substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, who knows. So the last minute, they had to grab Leslie Ann Warren to... to uh, to play Mrs. Scarlet. And I just, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Carrie Fisher, certainly like in the 
time of Blues Brothers, Star Wars, she's hot as balls. (laughs) Um, But, like, I can't see anyone except Leslie Ann Warren playing that. Like, the Madonna seductive. I could see it would be a very different performance. Yeah. But I could see Madeline Kahn playing that part. I can't, too. See, I love Madeline Kahn in this movie because I think it's she's so... She's so minimalistic, the character. Like, know, like, but, like you know that you part could, where she can almost like have anybody play that. Yeah, part. I up guess in, up until like the moment where, where she, she improvs the. the yeah, I hear yeah. there's so much flames, fl- flames. That's like, like her only real bit of business. Well, like, I like she's her. So, she's so great that like she's subdued. She's almost, so she's almost like wasted. wasted in the movie. Like I love you know. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to frighten you. You're a bit late for that, and it turns out she's ah. You know, it's like, uh, and even Colleen Camp in this movie who uh, shows up. In Smoking the Bandit 3, but she's in Apocalypse Now as one of the Playboy bunnies. And I think if you watch that Redux, yeah. uh, she is in a deleted scene where they, they f- happen upon the Playboy bunnies had crashed. And there's a big scene where they're all like doing acid and having sex with the Playboy bunnies. She's in that. And she ends up, I don't know, she has a, she's a very weird career because then she's in, she, she gets older and she kind of fills out. She's in Die Hard 3. She's one of the cops that's like, remember when... Simon says puts a built a bomb in one of the schools. They got to figure out what public school it's in. She's one of those cops on John McClane's squad to figure it out. And then most recently, she's in Four Christmases with with um what's his name uh, uh who's the guy? Oh God, I can't forget anybody. Reese Witherspoon and then uh, Vince Vaughn is in that yeah, movie. Yeah. She is in that, and she just plays like when when they go over uh, Reese Witherspoon's mom's house. She's just like one of the aunts who doesn't even have a line. But I'm yeah, like, is that yeah. Colleen at camp? And she looks completely different because she has short hair. She's yeah. like in her 60s she now. She aged as well. Yeah. You know, but seeing her in this movie, like, you know, of course me being this little horny 10-year-old. <laughs> the two things I look at first are Leslie and Warren in this movie who's like, you know, breasts are literally falling out of place in every scene. And then freaking Yvette, the maid, who, yeah. you know, they, they say, you know, full disclosure to like, you know, we they tested like everybody from like Demi Moore to like, I don't know, there's like five or six different people that they say that they tested for, for a vet in this movie. But the reason why they cast uh, Colin Camp because of her voluptuous phys- physical features in the movie. So, uh, and uh, Tim Curry in, in this is, is pretty pretty crazy as Wadsworth, the, bartend- the bartender, the butler in this. I find him funny because he's got that very... He has a very way of funny way of delivering his lines. Like, you know, he's, 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 well, you know, Tim Curry is, uh, I think... For today's standards, looking back, I think Tim Curry is an underappreciated, under, underrated talent. Yeah. I think he had a period of time, probably just post-Rocky Horror and early in his career, where he was probably very much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he makes his mark with Rocky Horror. Yeah. That's huge. And that's endeared himself to a whole legion of fans. And you have fans. to, you know, and I think the thing that we don't, understand our generation doesn't really understand because we think of tim curry as like pennywise from it yeah or, or like the bad or the guy from home alone too yeah you he's know? always one of these like, weird, you know he's the bad guy in mikhail's we, navy he's like in a way he's like vincent price and that he's like popped up and like we've all always kind of recognized and known tim curry because yeah. he's in so much stuff of our generation so many movies but like post like Rocky Horror Picture Show, he was like sexy. Yeah, like women thought he was hot. He was. He was. Good. <laughs> he was a good looking guy. You know. You know, and like he had a recording career. I mean, you and, think of how much. I mean, I I'm pretty sure he's a heterosexual male, but you know how much 
he gives to that role in Rocky Horror Picture Show where he's playing the trans, was he playing a transvestite? Yeah. I think it is like in that whole, the singing and dancing, the, you know, the over, that was like the first of its kind in the seventies. You had yeah, that. I mean, well, that movie's very sexual you know, and, yeah. and, and, and nature anyway, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, he was. She just ran and run around in a bra. God bless her. But he, I mean, he was considered dreamy. Yeah. You know? And, and so. And you said he had a recording contract. He, yeah. He which was an unusual, but. That's so crazy that he, people... Yeah. He had a couple of albums that are pretty good. He I was, mean, like Albert Finney had a recording contract. <laughs> uh, Richard Harris. My mom owned Richard Harris Records. There was like tons of them. You had Kelly Savalas recording stuff. You had Robert Mitchum. You had like w- w- William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy yeah, doing more yeah, straight. Yeah. But these other guys were singing, you know? Yeah. It's like, so it's just, it was a time where... But you, like you could do it was, all because he was coming on. I mean, you know, like Rocky Horror was a musical, yeah. And so he's coming off of like that and and a successful theater career. And he's I'm probably sure. classically trained, so he's able to do those with his voice. And uh, so, Clue's like mid eighties, uh, you know. And I think that the, the I, I just feel like he's very by. I think we don't understand the, the greatness of Tim Curry because he was also like in a lot of thankless roles yeah. that we grew up watching. And I think for me, and it's funny if you read a lot of inter, uh, reviews of, of especially of the time of clue, which aren't are a lot negative. Yeah. It didn't do well when it came out. Um, a lot of people, most of the reviews are like the movie starts strongly and then like falls apart. Yeah. And then by the end, it's like ridiculous. But for me, like, I only get engaged by this movie when Tim Curry's running around the house. That's for me. Like for me, that's yeah. like where his brilliance uh, and and you know because there were other people thought of for that part. Yeah. And <clears throat> but for me, it's like and I could see uh, it actually cast a guy named Leonard uh, Rostier, but he died before filming, and they were going to almost use Roland Atkinson, who was Mr. Bean, not at the time, <clears throat> yeah. but he was famous for like Black Adder. In England, but they were worried. And I could see him being very funny in this part, but there's something you can't see. But there's, I could, it would obviously be a very different different performance, but I could see that. I could see him playing this character differently, but effectively. But when Tim Curry's running around the house, very, I don't think any, I don't think there are very many actors that could pull that extended piece of nonsense yeah <laughs> you know uh, action stuff to things to do uh, for for somebody to pull that off and do it so f- kind of brilliantly and engagingly i mean as I, he does it i find the movie hugely funny all the way through but i for me it uh, my favorite part is once he once like you have like a vet dies and they're all walking around like what the fuck and then he's like i've just you know and then he says i know how and i'm going to show you and then it's that whole you know, I could see how people may think critics can say that's tedious, yeah, yeah. you know, because at the end you're just, but I find that to be the funniest parts where he's trying to pull everybody around and he's yeah, reenacting yeah. and he's doing stuff. And then he's, it's very like the whole movie to me is just silly. And it's like we did Kung Fu February, Kung Fu February uh, in February. And we're now we're in March of 2018. But like when we, the first movie we broke out with was Drunken Master, Legend yeah, of the Drunken the Master. One. And I was saying in that where it's like, you have to be able to come to it understanding that that it's a style it's not yeah, just a yeah. straight up kung fu movie or a martial art movie it's this kind of i guess almost a farce in itself yeah yeah and that's like how almost this is if you're not in the mood or you're just looking to watch a comedy this is 
you know, this is silly. It, a lot yeah. of the stuff may not hit right for people. You know what I mean? It could be so silly it's not silly or it's so sure, yeah. uh, such a farce it doesn't work for people like yourself. You didn't say... A lot of it doesn't play for you, you know. Yeah, so well, it's, you know it's funny, and I, you know, I certainly, <clears throat> or you know, people could think it comes off as lame. We, you, perso- know? you know, we pride ourselves on, on taking a positive stance on things, and I, and I certainly don't want to come off as negative because, like I said, I don't. It's not that I dislike this movie. It's just that certain things about it just personally don't work for me, and and it's not like it's a brand of comedy that I don't like. Like I said, I'm a big Marx Brothers fan, especially the early films. But and you like slapstick, and, and yeah. yeah, and like I'm all you know, and I'm I mean, all, you make slapstick. <laughs> you know, and I like, uh, you know, we both enjoy Abbott Costello movies. And, of course, Buster Keaton's one of my biggest heroes. And uh, so it's not like I I can't grasp the comedy on some because it's, like, it's just like this kind of comedy doesn't work for me. I just think, unfortunately, as great as the cast is, for me personally, like, I just feel like they don't they don't get it. You know, to me, like aside from what I was just saying about like the like Tim Curry's brilliance of that that last act of the movie, um, to me, like a lot of the jokes are very predictable because they're all about like staging, yeah, and like camera placement, and so it's all for me like forecasted, yeah, a little bit. So like, there's the punchline, like I know the punchline before it happens, so it doesn't necessarily read as funny to me. The only one of them, I, I mean, Leslie Ann Warren's like perfectly cast in this part, but I don't think she's particularly funny. I don't think her character is particularly supposed to be funny. Unfortunately, as much as I love Christopher Lloyd and I think he's brilliant as like Doc Brown, like I think he's kind of miscast in this part. The only one that really nails it for me is Michael Bikinan. And I think it's because Michael Bikinan has such a, uncannily genius grasp of comic timing that for me like his stuff's the only stuff that really plays because everybody else to me's timing doesn't quite hit at the right moment mm. for, for the joke to play for me yeah and i think it's the difference of like the marx brothers for instance were doing this kind of comedy but you know it was the marx brothers you know i think i, I heard recently that they the Marx Brothers made two. There's two different like legs of the Marx Brothers film career. Yeah. There's that first studio, which I can't remember who it was, but it's where they did like big store and all that. Like, well, uh, there's the first one where they did like Duck Soup, okay, and stuff. And then there's like the second half where the only really funny movie they did, like at, on top, that's comparable to the first half of the career is Night at the Opera. Yeah. And I heard that for those first couple, those first series of movies, maybe it's like Animal Crackers and Duck Soup, because they came from the stage, vaudeville, they would go and take, basically take that show on the road with like, sometimes with the cast or at the very least the jokes. And they would work out those jokes live until it was second nature and that the timing was so perfect playing them against a live audience that when they filmed them, they had the timing down so that they played 
perfection yeah, well, to an yeah. audience. It was like all that shit was worked out. And then when they went and they did the second half of their movies, like the studio's like, yeah, we don't have time for that. Like, just shoot the movie. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of why those other movies don't work as well. They didn't have the time to really perfect them. Uh, those that's jokes. weird because you could take that out and you could play that with bands where, like, you know, well, yeah, well, a band comes out with the first two albums. Because well, they say been... their first, the first album they spent, they spent, they spent their entire career on yeah. at that point. And then their sophomore album. It's, whatever's a leftovers was are. like <laughs> leftover stuff or the, like was six months worth of yeah material. and then the third album usually they call that the third album syndrome because they're touring at that point they can't come up with any new material or no. rehearse it to put on for that third album so you have a lot of that and where so, they get the and timing so, and so for me personally that's like why I, I for me the, the the comedy doesn't always work because it's just like the timing's not right and and the, as great as this cast is this cast, aside from like Michael McKeon and maybe Tim Curry, don't excel at this kind of comedy. Mm. And so, for me, a lot of the jokes just fall flat and kind of feel forced. Now, I, like I said, I hate to sound negative, but I, but that's for me. That's why this movie has never lasted. You know, in some kind of like huge nostalgic, you know, way for me. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that this one, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is a fun movie. And even though, like, those jokes fall flat for me, you know, some of them probably don't fall flat for other people. And even though, in my mind, a lot of these actors don't excel at this brand of comedy, they're still great yeah. actors. And so, like, it's engaging. Even though this movie saddled with the unfortunate task of, trying to have a plot revolving around a board game that doesn't have a plot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so in, in a way, it's got a lot of, you know, issue. it has a lot of things stacked up against it. Yeah, bring it to the table. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's, you know, but look, there's plenty of people that I'm sure listen to, to me fucking gush over over the top. I'm like, I don't get it, man. Like, I can see that you love it. <laughs> Stallone's over the top. Yeah, that we did last year. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't connect with over the top as passionately as you do. But that's kind of the beauty of the show yeah. and, and the beauty of art and films and, and going music back and revisiting all this stuff and everything in general. Uh, you know, I, I often say, like, if we all loved the same things in the same way, like, it, this would it would be a boring world to live in. Yeah, <laughs> you know the fact that there are there is variety, and that you can come into things you know at a different time of your life, and they play completely differently. You know, you can fall in love with something today that you never liked before. So many things fall into it, and maybe who knows? Maybe we'll revisit this movie uh, for an anniversary episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years from and now, you'll, you'll, you've some, somehow changed. <laughs> you like, look back. I'm like, you know what? I really like it. Never really played for me, but this time I really got it. It really hit you in all the marks. Yeah, it's. Uh, but well, good night, everybody. But uh, it certainly is a, a a fun movie to look at. I mean, the set is great. I can't believe the whole thing is a set, aside from the ballroom and then the entrances. That it's a whole big. The mansion is this yeah, big yeah. set because it's so iconic for me growing up. I remember, and I guess how they staged it, the the rooms are in the same locations as they are on the board game, mm -hmm. and then the hallway floor kind of looks like the board game kind of floor, which is interesting. Yeah, you know, it, 
Yeah. As I said, there's also like this, there was this thing that I don't think exists anymore, but I think this fascination of kids our age, which was probably either as a result of or was the inspiration for this idea of like secret passageways and houses. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just being as a kid mesmerized. Like there's an entire like, you know, once they revamp. Isn't Webster? Did you bring Webster up last week? Yeah, I brought Webster up last week. But <laughs> Isn't it like Webster? Like there's haunted bringing Webster up again. They move into a new house and they think it's haunted. And the truth is, it's there's a, just old people living in the basement and there's secret passages all over. Yeah, the like house. like there's like they open the clock and they're able to go in the grandfather clock. I remember in the passageways in this also correspond to where they go in the board game. So you can, in the board game, this passageway goes to so the yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really intelligent to think that they. You take up nothing, a board game, and you're able to make something out that has lasted with a cult kind of a status. Oh, totally. Of, and like you, you know, said, that it, the, so much of, that they could keep so much of like the accuracy yeah. of things in the, in the board game. I also think there was a lot of negative reviews about the, the idea of the multiple endings. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. It's really unique, I think, at the time. I think it's unique, and I think it's kind of a stroke of brilliance, personally. Yeah. I think that was like a... It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. That was like a Landis thing. Yeah. And the idea was that they originally had shot, or at least conceived, of four different endings. Yeah. And then, depending on the theory you went to, you would see... One of the the four endings. And they actually... Some of the uh, newspaper ads would say what ending was being shown, A, B, or C. So I guess you could... Maybe. So you didn't have to take a chance. Yeah. If you wanted you know, to see the movie. And I remember twice. when, so I remember it being on movie channel and playing, and I remember whoever the presenter was at the time. Uh, I think it was like Joe Bob Briggs, but I don't think it was him. You know, he was doing his regular thing. But I remember people like, and you're going to actually see all three endings back to back. And the people, you know, that was like, wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. But that became a staple once it got off of the, the, the screen and it was released either on cable or home video. It's always been, the three endings have always been married. And I think there's a blue... Like a recent Blu-ray where, like, you can have the player pick at random. That's fun. Just, you know, know, and take the title card out and then you figure out, you know. We say four because apparently there was one that they either shot or at least wrote and... But I think that might have even shot it. Yeah, I hear they shot it. And then the director looked at it and said, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them... So they didn't include it. But it's it's in the book. It's in, like, the 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 two novelizations. novelizations. They did did a novel... A regular straight novelization and they did, like, a kid's novelization, which is interesting. And this... Both those... uh, I mean, like... But it's, like, a straight... Like, they made it, you know... like when they did Batman, they did one novelization for Batman, but then this one they've done like a well, like novelization. we have the, the the black hole. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, they do. So they were definitely marketing. There was like a storybook, you know. One, and so it's I, funny that you think and I have the, both of the regular novelization of Back to the Future and then like the kids' storybook. Yeah, or Gremlins. Of so it's funny that you that they're decidedly deciding to market it towards kids because it's, it's a board game. I guess because it's a you know? toy, essentially. Yeah, but you get you, then you take out the sex aspect of it, like the you know these 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 you know. Bluxum, you know, yeah, women. Yeah. Well, you know. yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I'm no, uh, what, somewhere. what was I? What were we talking about? The, the uh, oh, the, so endings. the endings. So you have. I think they were a lot darker because the fourth ending is you find out that Wadsworth, Tim Curry, did all the murders and he poisoned everybody. He gets caught when uh, what's his face from KRB in Cincinnati comes in, and yeah, Bill Henderson. Bill Henderson. No, no, no. no Bill Henderson. He's the. Uh, oh man. The the the, 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 the other. He's the, the, the police cop. officer. 
It's uh, what's he's his uncredited face? in the. Yeah, his name is uh, from head of a class. Oh, for Christ's sakes! Oh, oh for fuck's for fuck's sake. sake! There, your man's there. Yes, yes, shit. Howard Hessman. Howard Hessman, who has a neat little cameo in a movie that I love called The Rocker. He plays the bus driver. Sweet. Um, <laughs> oh, so 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 Wadsworth. Um, Hessman comes in and then he explains Wadsworth explains how he did everything in this fourth ending and then while he's reenacting everything he skits out of the he, he you know runs away gets into a car and he leaves and you think he's gotten away but then in the backseat are like what like Doberman or police dogs and then it's you led to believe that the dogs kill uh, Tim Curry in mm-hmm. the last shot and they thought that was a little too dark and then also in the second ending where um, you have uh, what's her face Elaine Brennan uh, who shows up at, uh, in Murder by Death. Her, her ending where she did it, they thought it was a little dark. When she gets outside, again, you have, uh, what's his name, Hesselman? He, uh, when he uh, corners her and says, you know, have you ever thought of going to the Lord, whatever he says, he actually shoots her, but they cut that out because they thought that'd be a little dark. So you have him point the gun at her, and then all the lights go on, and then it cuts back to him, and you could see there's like smoke. It looks like the gun just got discharged. And you see him like flip the gun. And then they added a line in. She's like, I'm a senator's wife or whatever. And then that was the end of it. But And then yeah. when you see the cut to the wide shot, you see all the cops running in from the bushes. She's not standing anymore. So to leave that, But I guess they cut that out because they thought that'll be too dark. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think I read somebody wrote something about uh, this movie and... I think they're right in that it was like a perfect movie for our childhood, like to be played over and over again, because it's like there's mur- there's murder, but there's really not a lot of blood other than like body's head. Yeah. You know, there's so there's there's like murder, but it's clean murder. You yeah. know, there's a knife a, in the back. There's or... a lot of yelling and, and you know, fighting and stuff, but there's no profanity. Yeah. There's a lot of sex, but no sex. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like innuendo and stuff, but yet nothing's gratuitous about it. So it's like it's kind of this perfect adult movie for children. Yeah. And to, it's- to view because it's safe, but yet a little bit risque at the same time. And it, and it kind of plays in that idea of the um, mystery theater that we talked about last week with Vincent Price would host in the 80s. Yeah. That became big, like, in the 70s, like, us taking on PBS whatever was playing in England. You know, so you had, which, you know, you had those, like, Sherlock Holmes, Miss Marple, Harky Poirot, those kind of, like, Agatha Christie or Conan Doyle stories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a dead body somewhere. We got to figure out who did it. Is it the gardener? Is it the fucking, you know, the, the traveling motorist? Well, there's even you an know? episode, I mean, a couple years later, there's even an episode of... Uh, say by the bell. Yeah, that so, is like a whodunit in a mansion. <laughs> so it's like you know to satirize that and take clue the board game and then turning into a comedy to satirize that whole subgenre, you know, which is kind of it's kind of ingenious to you know because this could have been something that came and went and wasn't very good, but the script of having that back and forth banter, having so much um, to do or business each character has. I mean, a lot of the the jokes if you're not paying attention they could fall right by you. Like the subtlety of this person doing this or the yeah, reaction. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd always looking at Yvette's breasts or when she walks out of frame, he's like looking at her ass, you know, and like you know, a lot of, or Martin Mull playing mustard and, you know, all the, 
you know, so a lot of it could fall flat if you're not completely paying attention, but it has a lot to do with the, the script writing. I mean, I've, I heard, um, they Landis and, um, or maybe just Jonathan Lynn went to Tom Stoppard first, the playwright who I love, who wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead to write. He came on to write, took like a year. And then he just, after a year returned his fee and said, I can't do it. He couldn't come up with something. And then they went to Anthony Perkins, the actor who, I don't know why I'm ignorant. Maybe Anthony think, Perkins yeah, was writing at that time. Might've went to him. You know, I mean, there must've been a reason yeah, <laughs> aside yeah. from just like, you know, oh, you want to write a movie, you know? So maybe he was writing at the time, Anthony, um, uh, uh, what's his Perkins. face? Tony Perkins. Yeah. Uh, but he couldn't come up with anything. It's either. a shame. Cause stopper. If you could have cracked it, this is yeah. This is stopper territory. Yeah, you know could have I mean? been like a really yeah. brilliant. Yeah, running around, movie. you know, and uh, so Landis comes up with something, and this is you know Landis in the eighties when he's doing all this other things at the time, and I never knew until this viewing that Landis was actually involved. I never put it together. Uh, so I guess that is one of the reasons why it is endeared the and you know having this kind of cast with the with the the, the banter, a lot of quotable lines I mean, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of lines in here i can quote that you know that are hilarious or that people like to quote or whatever or or even the yeah, gags yeah. and the situations and remember the scene or that scene you know and like you know you find it very yeah, funny you know i i know i spent a chunk of this show maybe seemingly shitting on this movie but it's also it's also the kind of thing whereas if i was having if i was doing the show with somebody uh or i was having a discussion with somebody that was really shitting on this I would probably very, be very quickly, very quick to step to the defense of this movie. <laughs> at the like, same hey, time, you know, even though it doesn't work for me, yeah, personally, like you know, even looking back on just wa- having watched it now, like, and you're you're talking about the things that you know you like about it, I'm like, yeah, you know what, like, I like this movie too. <laughs> I don't want to be left out. I'm liking this too because there there is a lot to like about it. And I can totally get why people are so nostalgic I mean, even, for it. You start with the beginning. Um, the music was done by a guy named John Morris. Have you heard of John Morris? Yeah, they okay. recently released... Uh, La La Land Records. Yeah, recently released a vinyl release of this, I think. And uh, the theme of this movie, which uh, on one hand you could say sounds very dated with like that, you know, the synth. The synth, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, like it's a theme that's stuck in my head with the, with the strings. It, to me, it's very like... Bernard Herman esque, like from like the Hitchcock years, mm-hmm. the do, 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 yeah, yeah. and then like da, 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 which is probably no yeah. coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Did it on purpose. And the theme is something that I've whistled all my life, you know. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. And then I love in certain scenes, like when they're searching the attic or whatever with the add the move, they have like a pseudo Thurman come in, Thurman mm-hmm. playing yeah. like you know, woo, kind of adding to that era. Like the the original board game is supposed to take place in the twenties. But they source this. This is like in the 50s because you have like the McCarthy era on in the background when the cook is watching TV. And then like there are a lot of jokes towards communists and towards, uh, you know, uh, people like Roosevelt or, or Hoover, you know, in the FBI, you know. Yeah, well, there's, so there's a, a lot, lot of, of like that, that, you know, the socialism. He was a socialist. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like he's crying. I'm like, oh, my poor dear, you know, and, the, and then all of Washington. And, and, it, and the, the, it takes place in New England, and it's supposed to be someone has figured out because it's a big mansion off of Route 41. Someone's figured out that Route 41 is a route that's in cuts through northwestern Connecticut and Massachusetts. So that's either where the place it takes place. 
and it's called Hill House. And that's interesting because they say Deborah Hill named it Hill House. And Hill House, even though her na- last name is Hill, Hill House is also the Shirley Jackson who wrote, you know, how, the haunting or the, the the haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah. Which translates to the Robert Wise movie, The Haunting. It's called Hill House. Yeah. So, and that's and supposed world, to be in New England. was a haunting of Hill House movie. There's there's the haunting of Hell House. Which is completely different because it confuses me because that's a Richard Matheson book called Hell House. And then you're like, what's the difference between the two? And I tried to figure this out the other night. And it's like Shirley Jackson's movie is The Haunting where they go, researchers go. Yeah. And then they remade that in like the late 90s. Yeah. With Lily Taylor. And Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. There's that joke again from the Interdragon podcast. You mean? (laughs) And... uh, and yeah, and what's her face too? Uh, Michael Douglas's wife is in Catherine that. Zeta-Jones. In one of the Wilsons, Luke Owen, Wilson, I, Owen I Wilson. Think it's Owen. Yeah, he's in it, and that was weird. But then the Hill House, the Richard Matheson one. It's like there's a a gazillionaire who's dying who wants who wants to find out if there's an afterlife. So he he has these people go to the most haunted house in the world, which is like in Maine, to like yeah. figure out. And then they're they're doing that. That's the premise of that. So they're they're very similar the two of yeah. them. But my point is here is like... And then there's the house on Haunted Hill. Then there's the house on Haunted Hill, which is the William <laughs> Castle movie. We go back to Vincent Price, which you have to spend a night in. Which was also a remade. In, yeah, in the late 90s with... Uh, what's his face playing? Like uh, his name is something Price in it. A, and he's a little mustache in it. Uh, but so it, it's funny that the, the Hill House from Shirley Jackson's The Haunting, that's in New England. So it'd be funny if this is supposed to be the same house, you know, the same mansion because it's only rented. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they don't own the house in the in the movie Clue. So maybe that this is the you know it's it's whatever that opening line is. It's it's stood for a hundred years and it'll stand for a hundred more. And whoever lived there walks there walks alone. You know, from the haunting. Uh, but yes, this is called Hill House, a Hill House, and um, what else? What else? What That's else? Also, like interesting side characters, like body. Mr. Body, the yeah. Lee, Lee, Lee Ving. Ving, who's a punk rock. Yeah, he's a fear. Yeah, and I've oh, I, he's I, popped up in other things too. Is though. he? Because I've never, I've never liked him. He was even growing up. I always thought he was such a wasted uh, cast. But I guess the supposedly from the research we did, they only cast him because his name was Lee Ving, uh, hence leaving like the name. And they said they said because he was head of the. I forget the name of the punk band he was a part I think of. He was, he was in Fear. Fear. That's it. And, and even the girl, the the. Um, the singing telegram. Yeah, she's the rhythm guitarist for the Go Go's. For the Go Go's, yeah. Which is funny. And, what, you know, which, is, what, which is also weird is that they're both musicians. Yeah. They're both originally from Philadelphia. There you go. There's a little, a little Philly connection. Some, some little weird chemistry. And kind then of you thing f- going on. You find out that they're all they're all from Washington. That's another thing because they're all up in they're all up in New England and they're all from they're all living or from DC. And then that even the the motorist he's driving up. He sees the car, not the motorist, the cop, sees the motorist car that's supposedly broken down and goes to the house to see if that got, but then you find out, oh no, he's on my payroll from DC. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's very, you know, so there's so much going on and, you know, you, you have that, again, it's that 80s, like, you know, Murder, Shiro was big then and all these whodunits, uh, you know, they're competing against each other where you have the American whodunits like the TV uh, procedural shows, then you have... These like you know uh, episodic shows that are kind of like a branch of the English who done it's like a murder she wrote, and you know th- with the the person who you don't see with the black gloves throwing like evidence away in a fire yeah, you yeah, know and yeah. the you know and I like that they kept all the you know they have all like basically you have the monkey wrencher they call it a spade or spader 
You have like the James the, Spader. James, you have James Spader in a, in a box. <laughs> you have uh, the noose. You have the revolver. You have the candlestick. You have well, you the know, pipe. Yeah, totally. You know, um, it's and it's it, very faithful. Yeah, it's faithful, and also like you know with the cast. That's the thing is like it was also a weird. It was a kind of a perfect cast for us as kids too because well kind of knew everybody you kind of knew who everybody was like i said even if it was, was a, if it wasn't from tv if it wasn't from movies it was tv like even I said, the head like, of the class what's his face we yeah. knew him from head of the class he- or, or KB in cincinnati. caribbean cincinnati or you got like i said like I, to me michael mckean was lenny from lenny and sweet yeah and i knew him from daryl christopher lloyd was obviously in back to the future but he was on taxi yeah he was on taxi back to, and he had some other stuff during the 80s too you knew him very well and eileen brennan was to me was always from Private Benjamin. Yeah, she's in that. <laughs> uh, she was probably the person I didn't know, but and, and aside from Mr. Body, but I, I or in Leslie Ann Warren, but that didn't matter to me because she was just hot as balls. Yeah, yeah. But Colleen Camp, I knew from, I had known from Smoking the Bandit three because she's like the protagonist that joins up with uh, protagonist. The, the protagonist. <laughs> she she that's the movie where Jerry Reed takes over the the, the mantra yeah, you know, yeah. and takes the car. So uh, I knew her. I knew Christopher Lloyd. I knew, we said Michael McKean. Smokey is the bandit. Smokey is, that's the porno. Smokey <laughs> is the bandit. Um, uh, who else is in there? I knew Madeline Kahn from probably either Young Frankenstein or her just, oh, you know what? For, she's in the Muppet movie. Hey, say, buy me a drink, yeah. you know, in, in the El Slizo Cafe. She was always familiar to me from uh, Young Frankenstein. You know, she all, so early. Yeah, on. all those Mel Brooks. And Bla- she's in, isn't she in Blazing Saddles too? Yeah, but I didn't see that until much later. Falbrooka. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, which I only learned really recently that means Bluka is German for, for glue. So that's the reason why every time the horses hear it, they get scared because in the old days they used to make, you know, horse, they make horse into glue. You yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. That so that's sense. why they get scared. Fabruca. But um, she doesn't play that character. No, she doesn't play that character at all. No, she plays the the the, the wife who comes or whatever. Uh, but this thing, and then you know, each car they drive up in is the color of their their game piece, or you know, uh, in, in the game. So there's a lot of nods to the clue to the clue board game if you're a fan of it. And it is something to say that it is not a disposable movie where it. You know, they just did a movie about a board game, and that was it. Like it, it yeah. And, and I, I think that's no small measure to the cast and the longevity, and then it, you know, it playing on TV, and then just the zaniness of it too, because it is one of those kind of like you know, there isn't room nowadays. Like Stallone tried to do it with Oscar, and I remember seeing Oscar five, maybe now it's like twenty years ago, and really loving it, but that movie flopped. Yeah, you yeah. know, but it's one of these zany like they every every five, ten, fifteen years they try to do one yeah. of these zany. You know what I mean? Like either it's a, it's an ad that adaptation of a play. It seems especially you like know, I mean, well, Oscar was a little bit later. It was like nineteen ninety, I think. But it seems like there's a time period there where they're really pushing, and a lot of them have to do with crime, and they're all period because you got like Johnny Dangerously. Yeah, it's pretty fucking thirties. <laughs> You know, but that's like, Dead you know, Man Don't Wear Plaid. That's zany you know, 30s. Sadly, Raimi tried to make Crime Wave, which yeah. was like, in the, that was like 82, 83. But that's, that's, that's probably because of budgetary restrictions. That takes place in modern day, right? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh, but still, it's a wacky crime. I mean, yeah. it's, 
It's a crime movie. Yeah. There's all these like rash, like really zany crime, you know. And I guess it's because they're all it's like pulp. They're, they're all playing off of like the gangster movies or the those kind of crime noir movies or the talking or the, the, or the, the mystery movies of, of yesteryear. Of yesteryear, <laughs> you, know, yeah. the, you know, or the banter of like, let me tell you what you say. You know, you tell me, you know, and then, and then Tim Curry gets into a lot of that with his performance of yes, you know. I hope it didn't frighten you. You know, it's, and it, to the end of this movie, to me, like I have a big affinity for the comedian Eddie Izzard, and he starts becoming very Eddie Izzard, where he's running around talking, you know, like this and running in like that, and and it, it's it is certainly must be an exhausting uh, level of sequence to shoot of all them running around, and it just the. Uh, that that's a lot of fun of it, the zaniness of like you know. By the time they're all getting to where he's talking, he's leaving again, and you know, and he's doing this very exaggerated run and walk, and he's sliding on like you know, and you know, yeah, yeah. But also just like he, when he falls down, yeah, he gets hit in the head. I'm shouting, I'm <laughs> shouting, I'm shouting, and the thing whacks him on the head. Yeah, you know? just there's a lot of he's kind of brilliant in that part, and that's why like when I was researching when after I got to your house after I thought we were doing Clute, <laughs> and I jumped online real quick just to do a little bit of background. I was so shocked when, like, every review was like, start strong, ending's ridiculous because they hated the gimmick of the multiple endings. And I don't know why, because it's so original for me at the time. And, uh, and I was like, you know, not, I, I like the, the, the quote unquote gimmick of the multiple ending, but for me, like I said, for me, it's like I finally become engaged with it once Curry's running around. And I'm like, okay, like well, it pick, so, like picks up a pace. It picks, it you know? picks up in pace, but it's also like you start to see somebody. There's certain performance. Sometimes a performance will just grab you. Yeah, you know, and it's like finally, like it just like came alive when we were watching it. Tonight. Yeah, like it just came alive. Yeah, I just like I got totally like engaged with like kind of his pr- the presence of, the of Curry of, like yeah. running around I mean for me it's just there's so many quotable lines in this movie it's just so funny like to just you know like uh, event like you know I'm afraid of Zidak anybody come and like you know Christopher Lloyd Martin Law like I'll go I'll go and then like what's his face he's supposed to be a homosexual like, yeah. you know he turns yeah. away no, thank you <laughs> it's just there's so many little Although, you know, men are supposed to be, what is it? Uh, they're like Kleenexes. They're songs, soft and strong, soft and disposable, like all the. Yeah, yeah. I just find all that, uh, you know, this, this sip in the soup. <laughs> you know, all the, all the little, there's a lot of little one-liners that, that I hear people quote quite a bit. And people are like, oh, you know, that's a clue reference. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I'm surprised they haven't tried to, I mean, I know that they did have a, a play but I don't think the play had to do anything with Clue, the, the the movie. But they did do a play version of this on on Broadway or in in the theater. But then once uh, Hasbro bought the rights, now there's a right restriction because Hasbro is now developing some sort of movie uh, venture to, to to capitalize on GI Joe, Transformers, and their board game franchises. So maybe they are restricting the copyright infringement of letting people go do out and do a play version of this, like a theatrical because it just lends itself so much if you it can does, get the it does seem you know, like it, it would find it would be perfect if you could figure it out like i know it'd be hard to have a you know a stage having a mansion but if you could figure out you know it'd be so funny shutting room doors and what's going on you know and i loved the growing up again it gets back to when we were talking to about christine last year the john carpenter movie during halloween and my affinity for that music this shake rattle and roll by yeah. the comets this was right up there with Earth Angel for me or, or whatever, Johnny Ace's, um, you know, Forever My Darling, that song. It's, so it's like, then, you know, 
having that on or even the song what what the hell are they sing in life is but a dream maybe when they're they have to pose the house yeah yeah and everybody's like uh, you know like you know i always found that funny where they got the dead you know the the awkwardness of the bodies and they're dropping people and it's you know it's all very like the physical action of it all you know uh and it's sad. Madeline Kahn died at such a young age. Died of she had cancer. Died like fifty seven in nineteen ninety nine. That was sad. I'm uh, a huge fan of, of hers. Yeah, and then even Curry in recent years having the stroke, and he's he's in a wheelchair. I know, and he's you doing know, conventions. Yeah, well, at least he's back because I mean, you know, there, there there was a time there where I didn't think. You know, I thought sadly he'd pass, but yeah. like, at least he's now at a point now where he's. He's learning how to speak again and all that I kind know, of thing, but, but it's just it's tough. sad to think. But you know, maybe he's on his. Maybe who knows that he can get to a, a level of recovery where he's I able know, to. But you can't. You have to imagine that he's probably. I mean, look. I hope this isn't the case, but you have to imagine that he's only on like the convention circuit because he needs the money. At this point, because of the ailments and stuff, yeah, probably. I, I mean, mean, for a while probably, there, was, probably was very fucking expensive. Yeah, to have a stroke. Uh, of course. I mean, if you think about for a while there, he was in so many movies. He was in, uh, I mean, he's in It, which was a huge thing at the time when him played Pennywise and Stephen King's It, and then he's in like all these. That he's in Home Alone Two. He's in uh, the you he's know, in, like the Muppets. Pirates. Yeah, he's being uh, yeah Treasure Island. Treasure. He's in that. He plays a great part in that play. In um. Against Jack, not Jack Sparrow, but whatever the key, whatever uh, the, oh, that's fundamental to know. Whatever that guy's name is, the pirate. Um, right. But he plays that guy. He was the voice of the Joker. He was the voice of the Joker for 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 a couple episodes, but deemed to be too scary, you know. And if you listen to his 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 voice recordings, they are kind of freaky. <laughs> and uh, I feel like in the nineties, like he did, they did the the the. With Bruce Campbell in it, they did the um, the uh, movie version of McHale's Navy, and he was like the bad guy in that as some terrorist. So he's always playing like either these villains or whatever. You know, he gained a little weight as he got older. He's in Congo also. <laughs> he is in Congo, yeah, with Bruce Campbell at the beginning of Congo. There's a big Bruce Campbell connection there. Um, but yeah, he's so he was always playing these parts, and he kind of fell out of the public eye, aside from like, you know, Treasure Island, which was the late 90s and stuff. But then him... I thought he'd passed away when he had this huge stroke, so it's sad that he's kind of still going. And uh, I don't know if he ever got like his due for like Rocky Horror. You know, it's like you know that was just so huge. They still have these screenings where people go do play-alongs and stuff and sing-alongs. But like, I'd love to yeah. see. I mean, Christopher Lloyd's doing the convention circuit now, but he's like he's up there too. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's. I think he's he's in his mid to late 70s I think in uh, Campbell's book he talks about Bruce Campbell Bruce Campbell's book when he met Tim Curry on Congo and he said to Tim Curry you know I just have to say you know you're like Rocky Horror was such a huge thing for us because they would play within the living not not within the living within the woods the movie that they made as a precursor to Evil Dead they would play that at the beginning of Rocky Horror screenings. Yeah. They had like a deal with the with the theater owner that they could play their short before Rocky Horror. So they ended up, you know, making some money and that really helped Evil Dead get off the ground. And Tim Curry's like, yeah, he's like, I hear stories like that all the time. Like how somehow being let, getting their projects attached to Rocky Horror like helped so many filmmakers and stuff get off the ground because of the, the ongoing running success yeah. of Rocky Horror. I mean, Horror that still show. has a... A cult following that will dress up in cosplay and go and sing along. I mean, that is the probably the prime example of a movie that still does that. And what did we joke about? We said we were going to go and 
have a co- a cruising maybe a cosplay <laughs> go, go to you know cosplay crew and it's funny too because this part where when a vet comes down and you realize I think she has such a good uh, French accent in the movie because I always find it so hard to do a French accent and she's got it and then all of a sudden she drops her accent and she's like you know that what you followed and it, it's uh, that voiceover which is supposed to be like I guess androgynous you don't know if it's male or female it sounds so much from the cruising like you know I'm here you're here we're here you know that that really yeah, weird, yeah. frightening voice that from the serial killer and the William freaking Al Pacino movie cruising um and then, you know, so you have the butler, uh, Wadsworth, he says the premise, you know, he has the line that's like, that's what we're trying to find out. We're trying to find out who killed him, where and what. So that's like the premise of the game. I love at the very end of the movie, at the third ending, when you find out that, uh, spoiler alert, Michael McKean is like the FBI agent. He's like, um, I'm what you call a plant. And then she's like, don't they call you a fruit? Yeah, because he's supposed to be gay. And then he's like, he says, uh... You know, he's like, I, I killed Wadsworth in the in the hallway with my revolver. You know, he says, you know, he yeah. says the what you're supposed to say when you win the clue game. And then he says, you know, I'm going to go home and have sex with my wife. And that's how it ends. Like, I find all that funny. Uh, yeah, I've always, this has always held in, in a high regard for me, this movie, as one of these zany comedies. It's not one that I revisit a lot, but it was one that's always been on for me as a kid. Sure, and then, yeah. especially when I worked at the in the video store years, we had staples if so-and-so was working We'd have this on or we'd have that on. And this was with, I, there was a girl, Jen, who I worked with, who she'd always have Clue on. So I got to the point where I would know this verbatim and, it, you know, I'd find it. And we'd always, you know, f- joke about it and stuff like that. And uh, it surprises me that this has been a movie that a lot of females have 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 approached me saying, if you do a podcast, you do, why don't you do Clue? And like, you know, we'll get to Clue, you know. Um, so it's it's held in such a high esteem and it's it's weird because it's just, just a nonsensical <laughs> you know it's not really like you can go out and cosplay it or you know i mean yeah my, i guess you, know, you could yeah you could it'd be, yeah you'd be uh, you, you, and you, i'm sure you, some people have yeah you know i mean I, next time we go to hascon we got to see if people are dressing up that's we Maybe should all go as <laughs> we've got a group you know, together we'll all go <laughs> that'll be that'll be really cool i don't think i don't know if there's anything else about yeah so it's i mean it's 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 fun movie and uh it's sad that it kind of came and went that like you know like you said when it came out, people kind of were really pessimistic about it. It got kind of negative reviews. It just, it cost, what, like $15 million to make? And it only grossed like 14.6 right yeah, under. But so that it was didn't, only domestically. Is it? So I no, think. maybe it did get its money back. And then, and it's especially for us growing up, like the Choose Your Own Adventure books were so popular at the time. And this having like a choose your own ending where you don't know what ending you're going to see when you get to the theater, I find that so original. Yeah, I don't know why you know? people seem to shit on that. In the, I mean, I know those, it's a sure in those '80s reviews. I mean, I get that it's a gimmick, but but it's a people fun gimmick. But people love gimmicks. <laughs> I mean, you know, they had Smellovision in the early. Remember, John Waters did that Smellovision in the early '80s, and 3D was big revival. That's a gimmick in the early '80s. 3Ds was huge in the '50s. So there's always been some sort of gimmick to a certain extent with cinema, and. This is a short movie where you think about it. It's only like an hour and a half. I mean, it, it really goes. Yeah, yeah. So you think about it, if you take off the two other endings and you only have one ending on, it's going to be an abrupt movie. It's going to end like this, you know? Yeah. Even with the, I don't know, with the three endings, I think the running time is only like 97 minutes. So it's going to be under 90 minutes, you know, <laughs> you take two out of, the, out of the three endings out. So, you know, I don't know why people were, you know, I, I would think that'd be fun. I mean, the only downside with that to be is if you go see it again and you see the same ending again. Yeah. But if they're advertising that you're going to be able to see ending A, B, or C, you know, they're screening, that'd be fun to go look, you know, especially if you don't know, it's the luck of the draw, you know. And then if they didn't advertise it, that's even funnier. I go see it with somebody, you go see it with somebody, and we talk about it, and there's two different endings. Yeah, yeah. I find that really, and that really goes to the essence of the Clue game. 
you know, that there's always somebody a different, well, I think, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the idea, and I think you're right. I mean, all the stuff you talked about, it's kind of, <clears throat> in a way, it's kind of brilliant that they were able to make a movie that works and is, in a way, so uh, loyal yeah. to a board game. <laughs> to a board game. I mean, you know, it's it's just, and it's it has this lasting, I mean, hell, they did Battleship five, six years ago, and that came and went, and I don't think I'm ever going to go see that. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. who I knows mean, how... I mean, I remember it coming out, but yeah. I don't remember anything about so it. So I don't know how loyal of a following that'll garner in yeah. 20 years or so. Maybe that's also hard. Liam Neeson, isn't it? <laughs> I think that is Liam Neeson. You know, and maybe... Diehard... Uh, 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 diehard Battleship <laughs> fan. Or Rihanna may be in that too, or somebody crazy. And I, hey, you I, sunk my battle. I, I love says that. that, in that movie. Yeah, I think Liam Neeson says, "You sunk my battleship." <laughs> <laughs> he calls somebody up. He's like, "I've got, I'm not a real man, but I know who you are." And you sunk my battleship because he's Irish. Uh, but I love this movie just fine, and it's. it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie just, just fine, and uh, I've always had fun with it. And I won't make any, um, you know, a, a lot of it was how beautiful the girls were with me and i didn't really know i can't think of any like other leslie ann warren movies she did that other movie with the what is that the still the night or what's the movie with bruce willis color of night which i'm dying for us to do on this she does that movie i love that and what i can't think of anything other that's a little bit later you know yeah oh yeah she's a little because she even plays an older role in that movie yeah yeah. you know but i can't think of really anything else but she just i uh just even Madeline Kahn to me is sexy in this movie. Playing I mean, that, well, Madeline Kahn you know, is fucking sexy and everything. Yeah. Man. I mean, even when she was doing that Cosby show in the early 90s, I found <laughs> yeah, her sexy. Damn, man. damn Madeline Kahn. <laughs> oh, you're looking good in that little Leslie red hair. Warren, there was a time, I think, before Superman the movie came out where there was a Superman the musical. Okay, and she's in that? On Broadway. You saw that? <laughs> I didn't see it, but I think she played Lois Lane. Well, that'd have been awesome. I mean, she's hot. There is a filmed version of it, but I don't know if you can get it. That'd be cool for us to do on this podcast when we do the other movie. We do when we end up getting the Superman. <laughs> we'll do that as one of the supplementals. And of course, I can't say as much as how much I love uh, uh, Cullen Camp, which uh, it's sad that yeah, she hasn't aged as well. But that's hey, you know what? We all get old. Yeah, and that's you, you can slag off. I wish, like, I, I, wish I look like I did <laughs> you, in my twenties. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people, you say, oh, they haven't aged well. It's like, well, if you take a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who or like. You know, Richard Dean Anderson, who plays MacGyver. Good-looking guy his entire life. He's gained a little weight now. He's in his 60s. Kind of, kind yeah, of slack. He deserves it. He he had a great body, good-looking guy for 50, 60 years. And then for the last, you know, so if she's gotten a little older and, you know, filled out a little bit, hey, you know what? More power to God her. bless her. You know, you can go online. You can Google images of her looking all sexy in swimsuits and because I've done it many times. <laughs> I've I've looked at her in many different companies. I think you'll be doing it as soon as you stop recording. Man. I may not even wait to the end of this recording. <laughs> uh, last to note for people who were fans of Dynasty, which is odd, since this whole movie was shot on a set. Uh, this movie was shot on a set, and then they they furnished it with authentic 18th, 19th century furnishings. A lot of it coming from the uh, Theodore Roosevelt estate. Some of yeah, they they rented. They rented for the thing, but then when the when the movie was over, they took the set, they sold it to Dynasty, and then Dynasty used it as the hotel, the Carlton on Dynasty, mm-hmm. and that was huge in the eighties. Yeah, which is now has a new. There's a new Dynasty. Yeah, so I haven't seen it or Dynasty, my, whatever. That was my mom's story Shit. yeah so that's why that's why i bring it up because i think you brought up dynasty before so it is funny that you see in, in the late 80s that this is the the fictional hotel Carlton, you know so 
Clue, 1985. We'll have to see how the remake goes uh, in international. If it ever happens. We're on the world's car in San Diego. Sometimes. They, yeah, they, they, they especially now in the, in the internet age. Yeah, things get announced and then they I never just, come to fruition. I don't want to get down a wormhole, but I just hate how the mo- the first movie ain't even out yet, and they're talking about sequels. <laughs> We're gonna make it a franchise. It's like, well, just let's see how the first movie let's does. Let's just do a first Clue. And yeah, see what you know, happens. let's call. Let's see how Clue does. And I like Ryan Reynolds, and I who think doesn't it's like Ryan by the guys that I think it's written. It's got to be written by the guys that wrote Deadpool. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I yeah I can, yeah. I yeah. don't know what that says about it. <laughs> says something. I like Deadpool just yeah, fine. A lot yeah. of people love Deadpool. That wasn't my the, my favorite cup of tea, but I have a particular tea I drink. Yeah, that's <laughs> a particular taste when it comes to tea. tea. <laughs> I'm taking my pants down. I'm not waiting. I know. I'm going to go along, fellas. Yeah. And ladies. <laughs> ladies and the Max and, you know... Uh, when we, when we watch ourselves some Clue and some, you know. And I apologize to anybody I may have offended with my views on Clue. I don't think you offended anybody. You're being honest. You don't want to be disingenuous. I'm just trying to be honest here. You know, sometimes there's movies that we realize that, uh, you know, uh, people don't like as much as other people. And you want to be able to tell people that. You know? I was all for doing it. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't realize that that was the movie we're doing when I showed up. <laughs> but oh. Had, but had, you asked, had I known ahead of time, I would have been all for it. Blake did go into the bathroom and shut the door and locked it. And then he was in there for like 10 minutes and didn't flush the toilet. So I did hear some weeping. And then he turned the water on. So I was a little worried. Then he came out and was like, okay now. All right, let's do it. I just need some time to look at some notes. So uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. We're now on Instagram too, Saturday Sleepovers. Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, we're at Sat Sleepovers. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have our regular uh, homepage, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, where you can find extras that we post with the cast. Like us, share us. You can email us, talk to us, interact with us. Uh, Blake, you've got some stuff going on. Uh, of course, there's my book, Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> the, the book. The memoir. The board game edition. <laughs> oh, nice. Look at that. How cool would that be? Uh, it's uh, Swear to Death, Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers, is also now a podcast, Swear to Death podcast. And that's available on iTunes and even Spotify and, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. I also have scoretodeath.com for all things Score to Death. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, at Score to Death at all your social media. Yeah. And they're aggregates. And they're all, um, they're all kind of, t- you know, if you find Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, you can find Score to Death and vice versa. You know. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another. We'll get a big one for two weeks from now. That's going to be huge. I don't remember what it is, but... Um, I can give you a clue. <laughs> no, don't get clues. Somebody always guesses. Yeah, Jesus. I could say to you, I could give you a clue, and, and then... Was it Benjamin? Benjamin always guesses him. He's always like, the clue. You're doing I'm like, how did you even know? All We're... I said was there was somebody in it with brown eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We said that there was a white person in it. You knew. Uh, we did clue this week. I can't give a clue for next week's, but um, it, it was... Filmed between 1970 and 2000. <laughs> okay. And it has a, it's an ensemble cast, much like Clue was an ensemble cast, but in a different way. Yes. Anything else? There was, there was a something, there was a movie somewhat related to it mentioned in this podcast. So go back and listen. I, I, you even confused me there. I'll tell you what it is after we record. And... Oh, I get it now. I, oh, I get you. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, okay. If I, I if I say my clue, then it will give it away. So it's fun for the whole family, and I think this is a big uh, it's a big one. 
But anyway, hopefully. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know. What's you, you can never tell. <laughs> you ne- you never you, know. With you fickle people. people out there. So thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you like what we got coming down the road. Um, it should be fun, and uh, you know, winter's finally almost coming to a close. And we're good. before we know it, we're going to be in spring and summer, and it's already going to be you know uh, time for new fun movies. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we're running out of time. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to take this stuff with me. And I'll be back in a couple minutes. Later. Later.